Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery. I'm joined, as always, by the head notch from himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great, great to be here, Rob. It's good to see you, Paul, and welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Dental Amigos podcast. And today, we are going to dig into uh, the third episode of season one, associate agreements uh, and issues looking at associate agreements from an associate's perspective. And today's topic is going to be the all-important Compensation. Money, pretty important. It is. It's why you go to work every day. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure dentistry is fun, Paul. Yeah. And there are probably days that you say, wow, I can't believe that I got paid to do what right. I did today. But I'm guessing there are probably few and far between. Well, and also money just makes you be able to do all the things you need to do, like pay your team, buy things, you know? And I, and I think as an associate, uh, being able to look at that early in your career on your end is just so valuable. And, you know, not surprisingly, like our podcast motto says, Rob, they don't teach you much of this in dental school. No, that's, that's, that's it. That's why we say what we say. But, you know, and just sort of get a little off topic before you dig in, uh, you know, I'm sort of joking about the fact that you would do it for free. But I think one of the challenges that we talk about either, you know, in, in the practice management yeah. uh, context or even working as an associate is you do have this sort of like tricky dichotomy of I'm a professional and I'm still trying to earn a living. Right. And it's really important that you can't just focus on one, not the other. You can't just worry about being a dentist and have no idea what's going on in your practice yeah. or what's going on with your compensation. By the same token, if you spend all your time looking at numbers and don't pay any right. attention to what's happening clinically, that's bad too. So it's like, it's kind of the neat thing. It's in my profession as well, you know, that you really have to be aware of both of those things because they, they go together. And yeah. if you so have one key. without the other, you're in trouble. I think, you know, I, I'm a part of this business group now. Mark Costa said, it, you know, cash flow is the oxygen of your business. But for associates, it's the oxygen of what drives your life. And we I had a good business session where the, the presenter talked about like it being a river. And there's no such river, no such thing as a river without water in it. And right. water is the cash flow. And, uh -huh. you know, that's why like that. examining this from all aspects, you know, as a practice owner, especially associates, so key. Yeah, yeah, and you really just have to keep your eye on a lot of different balls. I was going to say yeah. keep your eye on the ball, but it, there's there's several balls yes. that are up in the air at once, and they all require their own special attention. So, uh, with that, you know, compensation. Um, you know, generally, just say that we typically see three methods of uh, paying dental associates. First is where they would get paid a percentage of collections. The next, typically a percentage of production, and then less commonly, a fixed salary. We see fixed salary sometimes with some specialists, a little yeah. bit more, uh, OMS, occasionally pedo. Uh, but overwhelmingly, from our experience and observation, uh, percentage of collections being the most, uh, the most popular, where for those who are listening yeah. who might be in dental school, I'll just right. explain that. If some of you, if this is too basic, uh, you can go get yourself a tasty drink and come back. Yeah. But we're talking about getting a certain percentage of the amount that's collected that is attributable to the yeah. services that you render. Uh, and the percentage could be anywhere from 
30, which might be a low yeah. percentage, up to 40, 45, even 50 right. for some specialists. Percentage of production means that you're getting a percentage of what you produce, which actually what is billed, yeah. not, you don't have to wait until it's collected. The difference with production, which makes it a little easier sometimes yeah. from a bookkeeping and accounting standpoint, is the day that you render those services, that money is due to you. You don't have issues right. with trailing collections. How long did it take for that insurance exactly. company to pay? And we have a future episode talking about tracking compensation, sure. which I would imagine, Paul, that if you start talking about, well, I produced... $3,000 of dentistry on October 15th, and then that money somehow miraculously right. appeared over the following 90 days. And like, yes. it's a tricky thing to keep track of. Uh, and then the last thing, uh, when we talk about a fixed salary where you're just getting paid a certain uh, amount of money, usually annually, based on uh, going to the office and being a dentist yeah. a certain amount of hours. Even with that, a lot of times we'll see like bonus aspects yeah, of that. Too. Sometimes yeah. I think maybe a fixed salary is a certain type of position where the owner dentist might have different goals for that person than a commission, I mean, than a collection or production. I could see why specialists maybe do that because there's some things they have to do with developing relationships with referrals. And they mm -hmm. might just say, hey, we want, you to, we, we want you to feel secure, doctor, pediatric dentist, that you're going to make 300 grand here. And for the first year, it doesn't really matter to us if you if your percentage of collections is in line with that. On the other side of that, Rob, I'm sure you see for your clients is if they say 300 mm -hmm. grand and you were supposed to make 500,000, yeah. the fixed salary doesn't sound as good. Exactly, that's when you have to go renegotiate, yeah. right? <laughs> like the major leagues. But um, so with, with these different methods, obviously there are different, uh, different issues and concerns, you know, and with when you're being paid a percentage of collections, I think it's important for everybody to realize, and we've talked about this in other contexts, it's really the associate becomes sort of like a quasi partner right. with the practice that, you know, you're relying on the business acumen of the practice to collect the money yeah. and then also to negotiate or, or put in place uh, reasonable and appropriate fee schedules. Right. So a lot of times people will kind of fall into the trap of, well, I found this great job. They're going to pay me 37% of collections. Okay. 37% right. is a nice number, but 37% of what? You know, right. how much is that practice collecting? Are they are they able to collect what they bill? And then are, have they agreed to some bargain basement uh, fee schedule that just stinks? Because this is where 30 can be more than 37. For sure. And I think that one of the things that dentists got, get cut up, caught up on, and I'm a dentist too, we get caught up in these numbers. So people will message me, is 38% of collections good and i say i don't know that's like saying rob if you're outside waiting for a restaurant is a 30 minute wait good well for vetri that would be yeah. the best thing ever one right. of the best restaurants for maybe a bar and grill that's not as good you might not wait 30 minutes so i say 38 percent of what type of practice what's the opportunity there do you have the opportunity to earn a million dollars and get that's good is it a it is a is it a place where they're going to only give you a few patients 38 percent of two hundred thousand for the year's low we're 27% of a million's higher. So I just want to kind of point out as we talk from the associate perspective, it's important to ask more questions to yeah. kind of get a deeper understanding of what the opportunity is on the table beyond that number. Yeah, and it's much more nuanced than right. just looking at the number. Same thing when you look at like interest rates and other things where you can say, well, you know, the hourly rate is $400 versus 300 at this place, or this interest rate of this bank is 4% and this one's 4.2. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's one thing, it's one factor, but, uh, again, in the percentage of collections or even percentage of production world, there are two variables in that equation, right. you know, and, and it's the percentage 
and of what. And of from my observation, oftentimes the of what is much more of a game changer than right. the actual percentage. And I will add, for whether it's dental students uh, or owners listening, I was just talking to some dental students last night, a group which was great. I said, live your life in the most, not in the lightning. And what that means is as, as the dental nachos guy, I get a lot of insight from dentists. So this is what I most often hear associates, like between 28 and 35% of production or collections. If you hear 20%, that's out of bounds. And then if you hear yeah. as a general dentist, you're gonna get 45%, that is high for that. So I like to kind of tell them like, hey, Think of this range. If you're in this range, that's where most people are. Because I think dentists sometimes, and my grandmother said about me, Rob, I am very special, but I think they're, you think they're uniquely <laughs> special. When I, when I hear I'm getting 28 to 35% of this production or collections, they're usually in a most, most range. And I'd say kind of if, they made, if you made me drill down, pun intended, as an associate, I see mainly between like 32 and 35%. Yeah. I don't know if that's what you see too. Yeah, typically, yeah. Uh, for a general dentist. Outside of yes. specialty care. Specialists mm -hmm. are traditionally higher in the 40 to 50%. Yeah. And to that end, too, like, sir, sort of we're going to get into some other, you know, potential issues here in a minute. But again, in the percentage of what, something you have to be careful about, and this is a tough one to do due diligence on, I'd imagine, is if you're working in a practice as an associate with a lot of EFTAs, you know, are how much of that right. treatment is going to be yours or, you know, is some of that going to be skinned off and given to somebody right. else so that maybe the patient has a thousand dollar treatment, but maybe you're only kind of on half of that, right. you know, exactly. and, and that can be, uh, that can really result in a, in a big ding to your, uh, to your ultimate compensation. Right. So, uh, we'll talk about, because it's, percentage of collections is really the, the most popular method. Uh, I want to talk about daily minimums yeah. a little bit. And and that doesn't factor in really as much, certainly not with the salary. It doesn't matter as much with production, but I guess it does with that yeah. too. You know, anything where you're relying on getting a percentage of something that, you know, the cases that are assigned to you yeah. by the practice, you don't control your destiny. I mean, you could say, hey, I'm willing to go in and work 10 hours, right. five days a week, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be compensated right. and you're going to have enough patience. So uh, talk to our, our, our listeners, Paul. Sure. What are daily minimums? Why are they important? And when should associates uh, be uh, be expecting or asking for them? And we'll kind of like, we can do like a little bit of like a teaser spoiler alert because hopefully we have practice owners that are listening also. Right. And like, why is it important for them to do it? Because sometimes you know, the dentist, the associate's ability to understand the business reality and the context of this makes it easier or better for them to be able to say, hey, this is why I want it, because guess what? It's good for right. you to practice of on course, and here's why. This is, so I'm very, very, very strong opinions on, and I've reframed the words a little bit here, so I'll just talk for a minute. A daily minimum of $500 a day. I hire Rob Montgomery to be my associate for four days, and I say, Rob, I'm gonna give you a daily minimum of $500 versus your 33 percent i'm signed yes you're signed so on day one monday you don't have many patients we give you the 500 dollars, and you only your 35 percent of the collection would only been 200 dollars. say great then on day two you have a lot of patients you you collect three thousand dollars now you have a thousand right so we would say oh i made a thousand dollars on tuesday and i also made 500 dollars on monday but that's not exactly how it works that's why i want to reframe the, my minimum mm -hmm. thoughts you you didn't make enough to cover the five hundred dollars on the first day, so you you get five hundred on the on the first day, five hundred on the second, which is a thousand dollars total. Uh, you your compensation for the collections on Tuesday was a thousand, and only two hundred on Monday. So if you left after those two days, Rob, we would owe you two hundred dollars. 
Right. I, I don't know if you're following. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you're following. So sure. one of the things that I've reframed is because sometimes associates will say, I want this minimum no matter what. Now, I do not believe that a draw, those words, I know you can talk about with contracts as mm-hmm. a challenge. So what right. I talk about, Rob, now with my associates, I'm on associate number six. And when I was associate, if you're an associate looking in, think about a yearly guarantee. So a yearly guarantee is $120,000. And I call it NMW no matter what. Mm-hmm. If you work 200 days and come to work, no matter what, you will earn $120,000. So I say that is the minimum with bonus incentives. Because bonus incentives sounds pretty positive, right, Rob? Yeah, I like yeah. that. So bonus incentives, I was telling this just to these students last night, what that means is if you collect $600,000 of net collections, we can dig into the nuances of lab because I know that creates a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of uh, confusion for you and your team of associates, <laughs> of associate owners, of uh, attorneys. Yeah. Now, if you collect 600, Rob, after your lab, and it's 33%, that's 200. I paid you 120 on the last day of work when you retire from dentistry, I'd owe you a check for $80,000. So it's the most simplistic way for me to describe a minimum with the opportunity to make more. If I confuse it all, let me, let me know. No, no, that's exactly it. Well, we don't get confused by lab, Paul. I'll yeah. just tell you that. No, you guys it's, don't confuse it. It's, it's the dentist, the confused. dentist math. We call yes. it dentist algebra. Dentist I mean, you, where, like, that's a whole, a lot of we could do a whole episode on dentist algebra. coming to you on what collections <laughs> okay, really yeah. mean. Yeah. Well, now, but so, so yeah, we're on the same page and it's, it's, um, but I think what frequently you would see that daily minimum reconciled maybe on a monthly basis, right? Right. Then I say to them, while you might want an $80,000 check on one day, it really, for the sake of bookkeeping, practice right. cash flow, it's reconciled quarterly or monthly. And right. you know, I, yeah, I want to reframe it. doesn't confuse the associate attorneys. It confuses the associates and owners because when they say, am I paying my whole lab bill? I know I'm not getting, maybe get ahead of myself, but just as in this in this world is we pay 33% of net collections. You make our associate contracts anyway. And what that means is the associate is essentially responsible for 33% of the fee. But if it, now's the time to say it, Rob, because I would kind of I hate that enthusiasm. word. Enthusiasm. Right. No one's being charged for anything. Right. Whether you're a periodontist, whether you're a general dentist, there are materials that are taken off the top because these are out these are costs that aren't associated with other types of procedures. I don't know if you guys have that in the field of law. Maybe there's no such thing as that. But in dentistry, Typically if you were to place an implant yeah. and the practice is paying two hundred and fifty dollars for that implant, uh, for a two thousand dollar implant, and if you were to do two thousand dollars worth of extractions there's no additional materials cost for the extraction, right. but there is for an implant. So that's a shared, I don't know what you want to call we it, do shared have. expense. Well, so it's you know? an out-of-pocket. So we have, if, if somebody, if we're forming an entity for somebody and we have to right. pay the state of whatever, right. Florida $500 for right. the filing fee, that's you know that, that's just like the lab fee. It's it's coming to us, but then it's going right yeah. up to so somebody else. So it's a lab, it's a materials cost. So that does create a lot of questions on my end, I can imagine for yours. So that's how my daily minimum, that's how I'd approach a daily minimum Think of it as a yearly guarantee. Think no matter what, if I come to work, I'm going to get this. Be satisfied with it, too, right. because sometimes you won't make more than that. But I am not a fan as an associate of you, you know, eat what you kill. It's very dramatic, right? Because <laughs> it, you, you may even say yeah, morbid, Paul. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> You're hunting class two composites. Because really, at the end of the day, associates, the practice owners control the patient flow. The practice owners control the new patients. The practice owners control the scheduling. So while you have a relationship with them, if you do not have a minimum, just be totally aware that there's a risk of not making money. Yeah, right. And if somebody is offering you a job, this is where we start to get to the, you know, from the employer's perspective, they should do it with the confidence that they're going to be able to provide you with meaningful employment. And in this context, that means work, patients, procedures. And and if they, if they're not going to commit to it, 
then wow, how, how can you be Of course, up? I say this. If you, every single associate that I've ever employed, and every time I was an associate, got a minimum for their entire career from day one to day five. I mean, you know, one of our associates moved to San Francisco. I want them, I, as an associate, I would want to feel secure knowing them, be able to pay my rent, pay my student loans, pay my pay for food, do a few things. And if I believe strongly that if a practice can't commit to that, they're not ready for an associate. Yeah, right. And and that, and that warrants, that's, that's, we say it's a red flag. Yeah, that's like I, an orange orange. Yeah. I'm going to keep that orange. It's between yellow and red. Yeah. Paul. Also, uh, I just want to jump in. Associates, not everyone is built like me. Maybe they have this tremendous risk tolerance and they want a job where there's a pie in the sky, $300,000 number, but just know there's a, a, a basement number of right. not making money some days. And if that's the world you like, then maybe you want to, are the, uh, you know, I guess I would date my riverboat gambler of associates. But right. if you're someone who wants most dentists, Rob, like predictability. Yep. And I think it's fair to both parties to think you're going to be paid something for coming to work. Well, and I think, and that this is one of these things we're talking about a lot of these uh, issues in separate episodes, somewhat in a vacuum, but all this stuff kind of has tentacles in the other thing. So, you know, your ability to risk and say, yeah, I'm willing to take that risk on, I don't know how much I'm going to make. You, if, if you're going into that situation, you may not also want to have a 25 mile non-compete right, because exactly. it's one thing to roll the dice and it's another thing to roll the dice yes. and find that if it doesn't work, you're going to have to move. Right. Sure. So, uh, but it's interesting too, when you talk about lab, that's an important thing too, because we usually talk about net collections. So that would be what's collected yeah. versus the lab time that percentage, multiplied by that percentage. This is where we get into dentist algebra, Paul. Yes, right, yes. If you say that 35% of the net collections being what's collected minus the lab is your compensation, that is the same thing as saying 35% of collections minus 35% of lab. Right. More than once, yeah. more than 10 times, <laughs> yes. not infrequently, we've had to do what, you know, appears to be like a parlor trick where yeah. we have to put that out on right and we could share, do a share, screen share and show that it's like a magic yeah. trick. Like 11,000 minus 1,000. People don't believe us sometimes. Like it's that parentheses. <laughs> yes. It is yeah. truly, it's that seventh grade algebra that thankfully is so far in everybody's rear view mirror that they do need a refresher sometimes. But that is the same thing. Um, but, uh, you know, when we talk about responsibility for lab, that's a, that's a term that always makes me cringe, Paul, yeah. because I, I, we look at this as they're never truly responsible, right. nor should they be. This is just a, an equation that yields I mean, the final compensation. Said, I, I know my dentist people, if you say you have to pay for your lab, they don't like this, right? You're compensated differently for higher dollar value procedures based on the overhead for the office. That they love, Rob, right? That right. What I just said there, they said, sounds great. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of the same as the yeah. other one I just said, but what I'm sharing is one day you may be a practice owner associate, so just look at a job and say, is this something that I would offer to my associate? I think it's just a, a, a great test. That's how I kind of live my whole life with associates. Would I sign the thing that I'm about to put in front of somebody? I was an associate with my dad as partner. I had a, a daily guarantee at the time. I kind of had a fixed salary. They didn't know, sometimes fixed salaries, Rob, are for, are not bad. They're just, the practice might not totally know what's possible. Maybe they have a fixed salary for six months. Just yeah. so the practice owners say, no matter what, we're going to pay you 10 grand a month because mm -hmm. we're not totally sure what's going to happen. And maybe we think we have more patients that are willing to see you. I mean, if, you know, the, the, this is where these nuances come in. What affects your ability to produce? Well, how many patients are willing to see you as the new associate? What type of relationships do you have? Uh, the myth of seeing all the new patients being good, Rob, because new patients are definitely opportunities. But when someone's new at a dentist, sometimes they haven't been for many years, they're not ready to jump into dental care. So that can affect the associate's ability to produce. Yeah, right, and the things that are beyond your control. And I, I think it's interesting, you know, when you talk about 
this in the context of what's good for me should be good for you. If it's good for you, it should be good for me. That's, you know, and this is going to, this, what I'm going to say now is going to come up a, a lot in, in the coming episodes because we just see more and more of this with the transition uh, towards more and more corporate ownership and the yeah. proliferation of, of corporate ownership. That is the classic owner-operator mentality, right. you know, the good mentality that, hey, we're going to be partners in this and I'm going to treat you well, I'm going to treat you the way I would like to be treated versus I'm going to try to win this employee-employer right. relationship and I'm going to put business terms or legal terms in front of you where I, the employer, win and you, the employee, lose, Yeah. right? And so a lot of this, you know, when you look at the context of who the parties are, really dictates to a large extent what has to be, what you have to look at, For certainly sure. in our perspective. Like I, I know that if I'm gonna get a, a deal from a certain large group, that these are certain things that I'm going to have to, and, and to focus on. Someone just asked me that last night on the on the announcement. They say, I'm about to sign a contract with a corporate group, and they only give me a two-month guarantee, and after two months, I'm on my own. Should I sign it? I'm like, probably not, right? Because I said, you're a D4 dental student. I want to say this in the most authentic way. You have limited experience with dentistry. Yeah. You don't have any patient relationships. And if you move somewhere for a job that isn't guaranteeing to pay you after two months, you're going to have to really think like, what happens if I don't get paid after two months? Right. What does that non-compete yeah. look like? Do you and, have a Do you have a trial period right. on that? That so, you know you, you get to leave without the, you know the yeah. the, the three hundred pound cow on your back? Yeah, and and maybe every everybody who owns a dental practice, you know, owner operator like my brother and I, to DSOs, they they have all different motivations, right? And if you're the associate looking at these compensation structures. Pick one that's going to do the, all the things people say, allow you to sleep at night, allow you to have good morale, right? Yeah. Maybe making a lower amount and having a guarantee is better than having a higher percentage with eat what you kill PPO crowns, right? Right, right. You know, so, you know, these are, though I think what we're talking about is so important. It's just digging into some of these details that associates should be thinking about. Yeah, and, and to your point, too, like the responsibility for allowing you to say, say this, too, uh, I have seen situations that are horrible where practices have tried to recoup the lab yeah. bills from yeah. their, their associates, or they've they've turned the uh, the lab uh, onto the associate and haven't paid the bill and say, well, it's not my bill. Right. Go after them. So, like that quote unquote responsibility that that that's something that means something in the law, and you should be careful. And one about. of my good friends from school, he had, he had his I think his owner was just unaware of how this impacted, but he had a responsibility for a hundred percent lab. So he was, it was actually costing him to do like denture repairs. Yeah, that's because, wrong. Because you know if you make thirty three percent of a two hundred dollar procedure, that's you know sixty seven dollars, seventy dollars. Yeah. And if the denture repair costs a hundred, you're now down thirty. <laughs> so what he said to him, and he kind of shamed him, but he didn't mean it. He goes. I'm going to do these, but don't put them on my side because yeah. they're a loss for me. Yeah. And the owner said, oh, man, I better change this. Right. Yeah. So sometimes lack of awareness causes just as many problems, too. Yeah. It's not always some sort of vicious, horrific. I'm trying to take uh -huh. advantage of the person. Sometimes they just don't know. But the impact to you as the associate is the same. Yeah. No, that's an interesting point. It's really, really good to know. So we talked about minimums. Let's just talk briefly. There's a difference between a daily minimum and a draw. So a draw is similar to a minimum, but if you uh, are not meeting your minimum and the practice is making up the difference to get you up to that minimum, and then after that you're exceeding that, well then whatever you've exceeded is going to be the is going to be debited. You know you're right. gonna you're gonna subtract the shortages from yeah. before from where you're making money now. So. 
uh, generally from an associate standpoint, draws are not as good right. if it's a quote unquote recoverable draw where the employer has the ability to go back and, and ding you for the time when things weren't things, so Robert, good. Actually, are these things that you've seen people, employers try to recover after the employment's ended? Yeah, oh, I have. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's but not Not frequently, gotcha. okay, thankfully. Good. Good. You know, but uh, it doesn't even matter if it's not even if it's after. It's also if, you know, you the first couple months where things were slow and, you know, they didn't, weren't able to really get the production to you and you're thinking, well, at least I'm making the minimum. Yeah. The reality is you really weren't because then yeah. you get busy and, you know, then it was what it was, which was you were sitting around not making much money. I interestingly know? think, you know, just as a, the scenario that I described would actually Dentists would like the associate dentist would like it more than the practice owner because the practice owner wouldn't necessarily plan for this big bill. But if they did, right, and they did put this money into account, I actually believe if you said to someone, "We're going to pay you one hundred fifty thousand dollars no matter what," almost like these hedge fund guys, it's not quite as the same zeros. Yeah, right. At the end of the year, you got a fifty thousand dollar extra check. It would be just the, it would just be all positive. Yeah. Right. You work for a whole year, you get your one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and then you have this bonus. You know. But I, I know well, that's out there. They're yeah. signing most, bonuses. Mo we mo see no, that. I mean, Paul. more like at the end of the year when you have exceeded oh, this, you know. Sure. Because, you know, I know we're going to get to it into a future episode, but I want to share just authentically for associates and owners, but especially associates, keep your day sheets, keep track of stuff, mm -hmm. because the tracking of this is complex. We're going to talk about it later. But yeah. it's, just to point out, it's a complex to get it right. Very, very. Um, so, you know, with that, too, when we talk about, you know, some issues specifically with collections, one of the things that we see a lot of times that people don't realize when they sign these agreements are what happens uh, when I'm terminated and I'm working in a PPO practice where collections are continuing to come in for 60 days after I'm no longer working there. Uh, you know, you want to make sure that your agreement has a provision in there that says that you're entitled to your percentage of collections for money that's collected for work that you did when you're right. no, after after you've left. You know, otherwise you can find yourself if it's a very PPO driven practice. The last couple of months, you may have you're just working for free because I, I will share with the dental not just group. Mm -hmm. One time we did an honest post for someone who said. He was going back and forth with me. He said he owes fifty. He's owed fifty thousand dollars. We put it on the group anonymously, and he got like twenty of the fifty back because he showed his owner the the, the post on dental notch. Oh, really? Yeah. Which so he didn't get it all back. But you know, and, and you can correct me if you find it differently. But I kind of say if you leave a job and you have like a lot of money on the table, you probably have to think that you might never get that money because yeah. it's very hard to prove you get it. I mean, now you have this yep. thing like, what are you gonna do? Access hack into the dentrix that's not probably you wouldn't recommend clients do that anyway right, <laughs> right. so you i think that clients fine. politicians it's just it's just bare, bare so generally ball. it's probably a good idea as an associate is don't let too much get ahead of yourself for a variety of reasons right we strive very hard as practice owners yeah just i don't want to feel that way anywhere i have a eight thousand dollar overage to an associate i like to knock that off twenty five hundred dollars per time yeah right but uh, if you leave a job, it's a good point. If it's a heavily PPO one, you could have sixty thousand dollars of payments coming in. Right, and and if your agreement says you're not entitled to it, then you know yeah. you're out of luck. While it may be hard to get it under any scenario, which I agree, it's it, well, it becomes impossible if the agreement right. says you're not entitled. So that's to why it. getting your an attorney to review these is just so key. What we talk about, so it makes sense. Yeah, and you know it. I mean, you have to understand, even if it's something you can't get negotiated out, at least you. You can plan and you know what you're right. dealing with, you know, yeah. and, and like, I'd rather know up front than be surprised when it matters. Yeah. 
so last thing we'll just talk about briefly, fringe benefits. Yeah. So in addition to compensation, especially if you are a full-time employee, if generally if you're a part-time employee, you really wouldn't expect to yeah. get benefits. Uh, fringe benefits being vacation, the practice paying for malpractice premiums, participating in the health insurance plan, retirement plan, continuing education, a yeah. stipend, dues, things like that. But again, that's something that you can possibly expect to see some or all or some combination of these if you are a full-time employee. But as a part-time employee or a 1099, which we're going to talk about in the next episode, uh, you're not going to expect to get any of this stuff. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I think of it as, uh, I mean, you can help me with this too, but you know, if all the employees get health insurance, we offer our employee associates health insurance. You know, I feel like they're also employees, you know, so we have, I would expect that they would get that, um, you know, retirement plans. But I, I, I tell associates don't make or break your job based on CE stipends, right. but they're nice bonus toppings for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then generally what are you looking at? Like 1500 right. to maybe $2,500 usually. Sometimes we see more, but and a lot of times we see none, but right. it's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, if if you if you don't like the job otherwise, like that that CE right. fifteen hundred bucks shouldn't put you over the top or not. And then like malpractice, a lot of times early in your career, associates is going to be not a huge amount. So if for some reason that's not there, and you like the job, pay it. You know, it's a nice thing to have. But sometimes it's only three hundred or four hundred dollars for a new associate. Right. Exactly. Uh, and generally, you know, vacation. If you're paid on a percentage of collections or production, or just go back to where you're eating what you kill. Yeah, yeah. But you know that uh, don't let patients hear you yeah, talk right, about yeah. that. Talk. You, you do a lot, Paul. Great, great work. <laughs> uh, how to talk to patients and referring to them as you yeah. know, a kill is probably. Yeah. I'm going to guess it's probably class not. Two is a kill. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so it, it typically you won't see vacation or paid vacation rather in that situation because. You know, obviously, if you're not producing something, it's you're usually, not you know, as an associate, I didn't expect that myself. And as a practice owner, I know we'll talk about it from the owner's perspective, but it's usually an expense that doesn't fit into what makes sense to an owner operator practice. I think this is where, if you're an associate, they asked me last night what's the difference between a DSO and private practice type associateships. And there's, there are differences, mm-hmm. you know. The corporate style comes with sometimes corporate style fringe benefits, but also the inability to ever talk to the person who is kind of the one making the decisions, like right. Wizard of Oz. An owner operator of one solo GP hiring his first associate is likely not going to have a, a, a massive fringe benefit package. Yeah, right, exactly. So there's trade offs with all this stuff, and, and there's, it's not one size fits all. Some people like that more, yeah. and that's more important to others. And you know, I think it's important to understand what it is that you're getting and not getting. And, you know, it's, I think it's, it, it, you can't just go on a Facebook group and say, hey, right. is this the right deal for me? Like, uh, I don't know you. Right. Uh, how can exactly. I tell, tell yeah, you yeah. that? It might be, it may not be. Uh, and then I just lastly, just say briefly, signing bonuses are something that we're seeing yeah. more and more of. We're going to talk about that a little bit more when we talk about term and termination. But, you know, understand that with those, you know, that's yeah. that's not free money. Yeah. Uh, and oftentimes, you know, it's obviously not oftentimes it comes with uh, some strings attached yeah. uh, that you have to be careful about. And, and what I'll that just means. say, you know, people ask me, it's nice. They ask me advice. Sometimes they say, I'm just a dentist like you. You should ask an attorney. They go, I got a ten thousand dollar signing bonus. I'm supposed to say for six months and it's four months and I'm leaving. Do you think I have to pay it back? I'm like, 
probably. I'm like, yeah. only from the words that you told me, I would think that you have to pay. Right. You described a scenario where I would say yes, but I would say check with your attorney. They go, well, they haven't been very nice to me. I go, I don't know if that's a reason. Yeah. You know, yeah. So it just kind probably of goes not. back to checking with people who do this all the time is so important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, all good stuff. Uh, it's always fun, Paul, chatting with you, especially when we were talking about associate yeah. agreements. You do great work uh, with four young associates and all the stuff that you put out on on Dental Nachos Thanks. and all the other outlets. Uh, it's a great resource for dentistry. So thanks for what you do, Paul. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, and if you like this episode, please give us a good review on iTunes or Google Play or wherever else you listen. Awesome, Rob. Take care. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with the Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on the dentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.